everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Good morning. Isn't it nice to be still before the Lord? Amen. Amen. All right, so John G. Patton. The Reverend John G. Patton uh, was a missionary to the New Hebrides, uh, that place that's called Vanuatu now. It's in the South Seas. uh, uh, And he came out of a revival in Scotland. And at the end of the revival, the Lord had been moving and sending people out from the church, and he got the feeling that he should go to the New Hebrides, this place called Vanatu now. And there's cannibals there, and this was not without some risk. The church had sent out two other missionaries who had been killed and summarily eaten. But he took his young wife and uh, his young baby boy there, uh, well across the world, and planted the flag for Jesus Christ. Uh, immediately, his wife and his uh, baby boy die of sickness, uh, and things get so bad that he is sleeping on their graves because he is worried about the cannibals coming to eat them. But he stays. He has heard from God, and he has stayed there, and uh, preaching the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is hard to preach in a constrained environment, isn't it? I mean, we think about a South Sea atoll where very few things grow, where there's just birds and fish, and where you are a very, uh, I don't don't want to say primitive, I just, you're a very natural society. Things get tough. Maybe that's why you start eating people, right? Because you need some nutrition, right? You want, that, you, you want their life force. And so into this, he's, he's preaching, and about a year in, the natives have had enough. And they surround his camp one evening, and they are prepared to burn down his mission. He stays up all night praying. And it's recorded in Billy Graham's book, Angels. I was going to read it to you, but I think I can summarize it very simply by saying that a year later after this, because the natives are there, they're, they're, they're really upset, they leave. A year later, the chief comes to the Lord, and Patton is about to baptize him. And Patton says, hey, you know, before we do this thing, I just want to know, like, why am I still alive? Why didn't you kill me? And the chief looks at him and says, what are you talking about? Where did you get all those soldiers? They were circling your camp, and they, were, they had their, their swords out, and they were dressed in armor. And Patton looks at the chief and says, I think they were angels. And the chief looks at Patton and he says, I think they were too angels. So we're going to talk about spiritual beings. Now, you know, why are we going to spend this Sunday talking about spiritual beings? Well, I can tell you why I am. Because uh, when I got the email from Amos and Allison that they'd like me to talk about something, they gave me a range of topics. I went upstairs, I saw my wife Maria, and I said, here's the range of topics, what should I do? And she said, do spiritual beings. So that's why I'm doing it. (laughs) You know? 
If you know Maria, once she tells you what to do, you better do it. So I, and I, I looked at her and I said, that's a wide-ranging subject. Okay, but why should you be here? Okay, well, let's, let's look at uh, what Paul says in Colossians 1, 9 through 10, and then 13, 16. I think we're going to have it up on the screen here. There we go. Uh, so Paul, is, and he, when he says we, he's talking about Paul and Timothy, his charge. So uh, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you, and he's talking about the churches that he has planted. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Uh, all while, all the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave sins. So Paul found it really necessary for believers to know about the glory of God's kingdom, all of it. Okay, and, and then he, he points to a couple of things that I think are important for us to think about as we talk about spiritual beings today. He says that, you know, as we grow in knowledge of the kingdom, the thing seen and the thing unseen, that we're going to start bearing fruit in our works and in our spiritual time, in our prayer time. It's going to bear fruit because we know more. You know, we're going to be strengthened for spiritual battles. Who would like to be strengthened for a spiritual battle? Oh, my goodness, I would like to be strengthened for endurance. We're going to have endurance to run this race, and we're going to have patience. Now, all that stuff to me, I was making some notes the other day, that leads to joy because you're not worried about happiness. You have this deep joy that comes with the ability to endure what is going on in the world. And that kind of leads us to a gratefulness. And that also then leads us to knowing our true identity. Knowledge of our true identity delivers us from darkness, and it provides a wholeness, and it's going to lead to sustained joy. So that's why we're going to talk about spiritual beings today. Uh, learning about spiritual beings is spiritual warfare. So why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. I, I just thank you that your kingdom is so much larger than me. I thank you, Jesus, that, that you love us so much that you want us to have knowledge of the things seen and unseen. And so as we talk about them today, I ask that your presence fall heavy. I ask that my words be true. And Father, I ask that, um, that nothing, neither man nor fallen angel, stop us from learning these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So who are the spiritual beings? Well, they're the Elohim, the divine council, angels and cherubim, the angel of the Lord, the Satan and the demons, and the new humanity. And we've got a video uh, because we're, we're doing this Bible Project series that we're going to show right now. So I promise you we're not going to be here at 2 o'clock.
<laughs> We're going to touch on just some key points here. And through the week, via text message, you're going to have an opportunity to check out each individual video. If you're not signed up to get that text message, you can go to csvineyard.org and sign up. Uh, just give a little contact information and you'll be on the list. Uh, so, you know, with the video, you see that God's plan was to empower humans to make the whole earth like Eden. You know, we were to accomplish this task with our creativity. Did, did you guys love the creativity series? Did you like, I, I really like that. If you weren't here for it, you can go back in YouTube and check it out. Uh, it's amazing what some of the folks of our congregation are doing and what they're thinking and how they're just being creative in God's, cre in God's creation. You know, so we're, we're supposed to accomplish this task with creativity and our ability to multiply. However, human disobedience squashed that plan, and humans in our fallen state, partnering with divine rebels, created that thing, that, that Tower of Babel. And these archaeologically can be found. They're called ziggurats. And humans, the, the whole idea here was that humans would be able to meet with God in this place. And that doesn't sound so bad, does it? But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was to fill the earth with his glory through humans' help, right? So God scatters the nations at Babel. He confuses their language. And I learned, did anyone learn this story as a little kid, the Tower of Babel? Yeah, yeah. and I was like, that, that's a really weird story. <laughs> and, and so you have to go a little deeper when, we, when you think about it. But so what we were told as kids does happen. Humans try to build this tower, try to make themselves famous, right? God look, comes down, says, that's not going to work. That's not my plan. Scatters the nations. And then he does this, and we find in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32, 8, 9. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. Let's break that down a little bit. So let's start with the easy thing. Verse 9. God scatters but he keeps the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, as his special possession, okay? And, and, and I think we know this, right, that uh, the nation of Israel was supposed to be holy and set apart for God. But then there's something that when I read this, I had never read before. The hard thing to get our head around is verse 8. Scripture tells us that God divided the nations, created boundaries, and gave control of these other people groups to the heavenly court. Now, I think there's an A up there. Yeah, heavenly court. You see a little A next to the period in court? Well, in my uh, NLT Bible, if you look at that A, it takes you back to the original Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, the ancient writing, the first writing of, the, of the, that, the, the oldest writing that we have of, of this passage. And that should be read as the number of the sons of God. So let's read it that way. He established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number 
of the sons of God, God's divine counsel. And he gave the nations to them. Okay? So this, when I say the sons of God, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the other spiritual beings God had created that populate heaven. I never knew God had an entourage, right? He's got a posse, right? All right? He rolls with his brothers, right? All right. So now, you're like, so, but, but let's think about this, because some of those folks didn't have God's interest at heart. And we catch up to that in Psalm 82. I apologize. I said to to Maria and I said to Allison, you know, we're going to jump around the Bible a little bit. I would love to take one piece of scripture and exegete it and spend some time with it. But uh, spiritual beings are all encompassing. And so we're going to move around a little bit here and I'll take my time. So this is a Psalm of of Asaph. Uh, God presides over the heavenly court. He pronounces judgment on heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. They wander about in the darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. I say, this is God talking to the divine council, You are gods. You are children of the Most High, but you'll die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. And that's the psalmist coming back going, rise up, bring everybody back. So now we know context is king. That's how the video started. It said that we have to read the Bible like we were in, you know, like we were an ancient Israeli, right? So how would an ancient Israeli read this? Well, the Israeli or Jewish person would read this simply as Elohim, the God, presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the Elohim. Now, when we think about that word Elohim, which refers to God, there's two ways we can look at it if we look at it in the Hebrew. It's kind of like the uh, English sheep. If I say, I have, uh, if I say uh, the sheep is in the field, it's singular. I got one sheep. If I say the sheep are in the field, I got a lot of sheep, right? And so here we see this. Elohim, the creator, presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the other sons of God. So while there's one creator God, the Ancient of Days, the Great I Am, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, who is triune nature, uh, there are many heavenly beings created by God. Psalm 82 points us directly to Babel. Yahweh is telling the sons of God that their job was to lead the nations in their charge back to Yahweh. So God had gotten so frustrated with us, I don't know why, that uh, he had said, I'm just going to work with Israel, (laughs) and you guys 
take all those other people and then lead them back to me. They didn't do that. They started to partner with the evil nations, these sons of God. So God reminds them, well, who am I? Well, I give justice to the poor and the orphan. I rescue the poor and the helpless. And we learn that the spiritual condition of these rogue sons of God, they wander about in a spiritual darkness opposed to God's will. God then pronounces judgment on them. You know, while there was and continues to be a rebellion in God's divine counsel, I want to assure you that heaven is just fine. Uh, has anyone, th- I've been thinking a lot about the birth of Jesus as I think about spiritual beings. Because, you know, Luke's account in uh, chapter 2, 11 through 14, uh, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God to the highest heaven and peace on earth. So the whole heavens open up when Jesus is born. And all the heavenly hosts are singing and screaming and praising God's name. So the divine counsel is okay, right? There's just a few rogue characters. Now, why is this important? The biblical authors believed that heaven and earth are parallel realities, each inhabited by creatures that have been delegated with God's blessing to rule and oversee the realm. Now, for modern humans... This way of understanding is really difficult, isn't it? This is hard, okay? That's, we are byproducts of our education, right? We can solve so many problems with our education, right? To the point where we start to rely on our education, okay? And, uh, you know, think about the Romans and the Greeks, the Romans and the Greeks actually had gods who they gave uh, human emotions to. And that's really dangerous because what, 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 what starts to happen there? We know so much that we elevate our status to God and we begin to pull God down to us. Doesn't that sound just like Babel? Yeah. Okay. So we have to, as believers, think differently. Jesus, as recorded in Matthew 6.10, says, Pray the earth becomes like heaven, where God's perfect will is done. Now, this is funny, because Allison and I met earlier. She's like, yeah, I want to pray with, uh, with, uh, for the Ukraine with you. I'm like, oh, that's great. Let's, let's do that. And she's like, I want to say the Lord's Prayer. And I'm like, yeah, I got everybody saying the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> so, uh, something must be going on there, right? So, uh, we're not going to say it again. But... I really want us to think about when we pray that prayer, and I have a version from the NLT. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can't pull the creator God down. He's too big. We want to see his will done here. 
Amos went through Revelation just a little while ago, and there's that beautiful imagery, imagery of earth, boom, smashing into heaven and, and, and Jesus reigning forever and ever, and us becoming glorified like Jesus. That's what this is about. So the divine council's rebellion that led to the scattering of nations at Babel was the third rebellion that we find in Genesis. Uh, years ago, I think Rich and I took a class, uh, VLI, and we did this Genesis thing, uh, Vineyard Leadership Institute, VLI. And I got finished with it, and I was like, man, it's all about Genesis. Read and internalize Genesis. There's so much there. Uh, but... Um, So the first two are discussed, those three rebellions, the first two are discussed in the video, the Satan and the demons that will be sent to you, I think on Wednesday. So I would check that out. Uh, now, by the time the New Testament is written, words like Satan, or in the Hebrew, ha-satan, and devil, which comes from the Greek, diablos, are interchangeable. So if you read in the New Testament and you, oh, it's, you know, Luke says this, Matthew says this, John says, they're, by this time they were interchangeable. But it's really important uh, to, to think about uh, the story of Job where Satan tells God the only reason Job is obedient is because God has blessed Job. So when we think about these two names for the evil one, Satan is an adversary or one who stands against. And the devil is, uh, now, you know, actually in the New Testament, the devil was used, about by, uh, used to refer to anyone who slanders someone, right? Who removes the humanity from a person, okay? We're not to do that as believers. Everyone, believer or not, is an imager of God. And when we slander them, we take that humanity away from them, okay? Satan is laser-focused on one purpose, keeping humans from achieving their true status in the kingdom of God, and he plays to on our ambition, fear, elevated sense of self-worth to accomplish his mission. The Satan, demons, and then, you know, Paul mentioned earlier, princes, principalities, evil thrones, this is who we're supposed to pray against. Have you prayed for Putin? Pray for Putin. Pray for Putin. We don't pray against Putin. We pray for the princes and the principalities that, are, that he's listening to. We pray against that. It's so easy to hate one another. What did Martin Luther King say? I can't hate, it's too hard. It's easier to love. I think this generation says something a little different. <laughs> so the Lord is crystal clear about the ultimate enemy, Satan and the demons. It's vital that we understand the enemy's schemes so we can recognize them and overcome them in Jesus' name. In Matthew 4, 1, 11, 
uh, details Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. So Jesus has just been baptized, and the, the text says he is pushed out to the wilderness uh, to be tempted by the devil. And that wilderness word is really important because that wilderness word uh, really is referring to Jesus is outside of the promised land, okay? He is outside of the boundaries of Israel. And ancient Israelis would have thought about that as he was now outside of the holy land. He was now in enemy territory, okay? And so he's out there, and the devil comes to tempt him. And let me just say a little bit about this, because, you know, as we get into spiritual warfare, there are folks who think, that, oh, we, we should go out there and fight the enemy. That's not our job. <laughs> Don't do that. That stuff can get you really jammed up, okay? But it is our job to rebuke the enemy, okay? It is our job to declare the kingdom of God, okay? So we shouldn't emulate Jesus' behavior in going out there, and we shouldn't pick a fight with Satan, okay? But two of the temptations that Satan brings to, uh, to Jesus are around identity. Satan asked Jesus twice, if you are the Son of God. So let me ask you a question. Who is the devil telling you you are? You can smile. The devil has told me I'm a drunk. You know, some of you know I'm a, I'm a sommelier. Man, if I hadn't met my wife, I'd be in a cellar in Burgundy eating chicken. They have those special kind of poulet over there. It's a special chicken. It's not just any chicken, right? Drink a glass of white Burgundy, glass of red Burgundy. You'd never get me out. I'd go from cellar to cellar to cellar. Okay. There's guys I know, the enemy has told them, you're supposed to spend 300 room nights on the road. COVID changed that. These same guys now, they're posting pictures of their family. <laughs> they're happy. They realize, ooh, that was a lie, right? Don't let the enemy question who you are. You are God's treasure, okay? He loves you. He's there for you, okay? You're made on the sixth day. Very good. Now, the enemy has confused the minds of some people when we say, you don't have to do anything you are enough. And let me tell you, you are enough. And you don't have to do anything except, except Jesus' salvation. It's a free gift. But instead of hearing that, I, I, I hear something out there in culture these days. They don't, they, they don't hear you don't have to do anything, you're enough. Salvation is a free gift. They hear, I can do anything I want. I am Really dangerous. Really dangerous. You know, there are certain rules we have to live by. You know, we're starting this sexuality uh, theology thing. You know, there are some rules out there. And you know what? They're for our benefit. Remember, I'd still be in Merso right now drinking a lot of Chardonnay. Okay? This is something I think that 
for anyone who has kids, we really have to pray into this. We really have to pray into they get the full understanding of the love of Jesus. That Jesus is accessible to them. But there's some guardrails <laughs> for our own benefit. The second temptation is a little bit more nuanced. It's focused on greed, a turn of the phrase, and identity. Now, a turn of the phrase is what got Adam and Eve, right? Did the Lord really say? Remember that? But hear what happened. So again, the devil took him to a verse 8, to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil says to Jesus, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan knows God's plan to bring the nations back together. Satan knows this, right? And he's trying to get Jesus to do it Satan's way and not God's way. Satan does that in our lives as well, doesn't he? It's just that little turn of a phrase. It's just that little confusion of identity. It's that little idea of greed. On Thursday night, I prayed for the Ukraine. On Friday, I noticed the stock market went up, even though people were dying. I'm the guy, okay? I'm the guy who checked my stocks. Okay? How dark is my heart? Okay. Satan offers earthly splendor. My stock market portfolio. Well, it used to be. But Jesus knows eternal and heavenly splendor. This is our lesson on earth. Don't substitute the riches of man for the glory of life and heaven. So, why would Satan be man's enemy? You know, when you go through these videos, there's some crazy stuff they start to talk about. And there's just these little snippets. And so, I'm going to posit this. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 3, uh, the, the folks in Corinth, are, are, they're fighting. They're taking each other to court, the believers taking each other to court, they're fighting, they're fighting over money, they're fighting over these little petty things. And uh, Paul says, don't you realize that we, the believers, will judge angels? Should you sh so you should surely be able to resolve any ordinary disputes in this life. Let me say that again. As believers in the risen Christ, you're going to judge angels. Remember, in the kingdom, the first is last and the last is first. Humans were created last. Okay? When Jesus enters his full glory, when he returns, when he brings us with him, when we are glorified and shining like him, we're going to be seated with him. That is the true sonship that Paul talks about. 
Now, throughout the Old Testament, there is a spiritual being referred to as the angel of the Lord that accomplishes the second nature of God, which is present and accessible. I'm going to quickly look at one last story, and it's uh, the famous story of Moses and the burning bush. And I think we're going to throw it up here. Uh, there we go. Okay. On de- uh, one day, Moses was tending a flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led a flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. The bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him, from the middle of the bush. Wait a second. The angel of the Lord was in the middle of the bush, right? Now, the Lord's in the middle of the bush. And so, as you read the Old Testament, you're going to find places where there's the angel of the Lord, and then there's the Lord's uh, covenant name, Yahweh, that you'll see, okay? And it seems almost interchangeable. It, it, it's, it's really interesting how the, the, the writer goes back and forth. So the angel in the bush calls, call, I'm sorry, the angel of the Lord is in the bush, but the Lord closes Moses from the bush, causes, calls Moses from the bush. And uh, when... The whole piece here with the angel of the Lord is that God is both other and holy, but he is also accessible and present. How many churches do you think worldwide are meeting today? If you were here last week, I mean, the Lord just blessed us with his presence. Did he only do it here? (laughs) You know, uh, with our life group, we've been meeting on Zoom because of COVID. And uh, at the end, we pray for each other. And I tell everyone, unmute your mic on Zoom. The Lord can hear us talking over each other. Okay? He is present. He is available for all of us. He's available for the church next door. He's available for the church at the crossroads. He's available for the church, the, the Catholic church on Route 100. The Lord is available through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord is available for us through His Lord, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to shut it down. And uh, we're going to engage in a spiritual discipline. Emily, if you come up, if I can invite the worship team up. We're going to uh, engage in a spiritual discipline. I think there is nobody better than Emily to do this. She has been doing this with your kids. She's not doing it anymore with your kids, but she was doing it with your kids. And you know what? The kids were sensing the fullness and the glory of the kingdom of God. So she's going to enter us into this sacred space. We're going to go ahead and worship, and then we'll come back. This is a way to respond 
um, similar to the way that we worship. Uh, it's a type of prayer where you get an opportunity to listen instead of talk. So I encourage you, just close your eyes, keep them closed the whole time. And I'm going to lead you um, through um, a picture, and I just want you to imagine. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would come. And God, we trust that you created us with imagination for a reason, and that you can speak to us through our imaginations. So come, Holy Spirit. Imagine with me that you are on a path with Jesus. He's right next to you. This path is in a place where there is not much. There are not trees. It's not green. It's kind of a desert place. But you're on a path with Jesus. He's walking next to you. He's looking at you with so much love. He says to you, I'm just so proud of you. Because I know that your heart is seeking me. I'm just so proud of you because I know that your heart longs for me. And maybe you respond to Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, I really do want to follow you. I really do want to know you and be close to you and to see the things that I can't see. Mm. Jesus, I really do want you to take away the confusion and the darkness and show me what I can't see. And Jesus says to you, yes, there is a bigger picture. And so the two of you walk together. You walk down this path, and you realize that up ahead, there is something, but you can't see it. It's covered by a shadow. It's a dark shadow. And you, you see Jesus, and he raises up his hand to speak to the sun, asking it to rise so that the shadow can lift. And I want to give a moment now of silence and I want you to just imagine the shadow lifting and see if Jesus reveals something to you. Perhaps something hidden in darkness that you haven't been able to see. Perhaps something inside of you that you just need to bring to light. Just something Jesus might want to show you. There is a bigger picture. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that as you lift the sun, as the shadow comes up, would you show us whatever it is that you want to reveal. Jesus looks at you once again with so much love. 
And I just get the sense that some of you today just need to say yes to him. Mm. Maybe you've never, ever said yes to Jesus. Maybe you have, but you've been pushing him away and just saying, no, no, not right now. So uh, just imagine Jesus looking at you with so much love, and I encourage you right now to say yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, I want to follow you. Lord, thank you that you want to lift shadows for us, that you do want to reveal things, that you do desire to speak to us. So God, I pray for more of that in all of our lives, that you would just continue lifting shadows, bringing dark things to light, or uh, just bringing the sun into our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.